Good morning for the CJRU Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroxy, and debuting on the show, I've got creative writer Kristen Lammy. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. There's so much layers to you, right? You are a writer. You are uh, everything to me. <laughs> screenwriter, producer. <laughs> screenwriter, producer, and there's something else. Business owner? Yeah, I have a, a company, a production company. Okay. Okay. Did you want to tell a little bit about yourself to our new listeners or anyone listening to the first for the first time who you are absolutely i'm a television writer and a creative producer okay um i've worked uh, on a few shows such as uh, pretty hard cases um hello again the next step season eight um and through my journey i've also you know worked as a, a creative producer on a few of my own projects through my company colorized productions yeah that's a bit of a short brief all right. synopsis about me all right so talk <laughs> about the production company how did you decide you wanted to get into production well, I went to school for like the business of media and film, and I started off going to Laurier, and which is in Waterloo, Ontario, um, doing communication and film, and then I went to, at the time, Ryerson, which is now Toronto Metropolitan, for media production, did my master's there, and it was really through doing my master's that I was really inspired to learn more about the business of production. Um, as I was focusing on screenwriting, I really wanted to be able to know how to do contracts, finance, budgeting. And from there, I, I decided, okay, I want to be able to make my own projects and do that um, on a bigger scale. So I decided to go ahead and you know, come up with names for a production company, look into how to actually incorporate it, um, and then took the leap to incorporate it. I didn't fully know what I was up for and know what I was doing at the time, but I just did my research and went for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what is that like, writing your own beautiful stories? It's been empowering. I really look up to you know people like Issa Rae, who has done that. Like she started off writing you know web series and then developing a TV show and then her company and then her company had different branches. So for me, it's just been empowering to be able to tell stories that I want to see on screen and you know being able to have a bit more control over what stories are told. It's not so. It's a bit more difficult when it comes to you know, getting that on the screen, but being able to write it and start from that point and pitching it and getting it out there has been, you know, a great experience. Mm -hmm. And what do you want to write about that hasn't been talked about yet? Mm -hmm. What type of writer are you? Are you about passion? Are you dramedy? Or do you like to push the envelope and talk about mm -hmm. racial division? A bit of a mixture of, I would say. So far, like the, the topics I've talked about, I had a, a web series. Uh, my first web series I created was called Pretty for a Whack Girl. And that was fully self-funded. You know, it was it was an experience in terms of learning how to really push uh, self-production and independent production. Um, that one was about like a an like an awkward black girl who was navigating the life of dating and her friend. She signed up for her friend's um, what do you call it uh, experimental project, pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much what that was my first project. And my second project is, is Fever Street, which is a digital series as well. But so far, I've made a proof of concept for that one and now looking for funding and pushing that. So, you know, it's been a journey in terms of learning that, learning how to, you know, write and produce independently, uh, especially in the Canadian landscape. Mm -hmm. It's been exciting. Mm -hmm. Now that journey, right? What do you say to other creatives that are having a hard time getting the funding for their project? What's your take to that? 
Well, it, it depends on what route you want to go. There, there are arts councils if you want to start off with a short film project or, you know, start small. Um, so funding is accessible in terms of there are a lot of fundings out there. In terms of, like, if you want to go for a TV series, it gets a bit more complicated. So it's really about starting small, starting with the smaller projects and then working your way up once you build a name for yourself then um, get yourself out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to start small. We can't start big. What if I really want this out there and I want people to see it and I'm worried that they'll forget about it? What's your take to that? Oh, well, I mean, being in this industry, you have to be very self-driven, number one. Really finding your peers who can help you work on projects. You know, a lot of times most of us want to be able to create our own projects work on our own reels and build our, our ourselves up finding like reaching I guess across and finding your peers who can work with you um, I say start small because especially if you're just starting off in the industry it's best to, to start with a short film go for the arts council grants get it into some festivals get some recognition out of it um, and that way you know you're, you have more opportunity to get the next fund and get the next fund because once you start going for bigger funds you actually need more experience so you might as well start building the experience from the ground up mm-hmm and how are film festivals in case people don't know what it's like to push it out to film festivals have you ever done a film festival or been a part of one before yeah film festivals are great for networking exposure um just getting to explore other people's projects and see how other people are creating in the world i mean i've been to a couple film festivals i've my first film festival I was a part of was when I was acting in a short someone else's project in a short film, and we actually like drove to Texas to like you know um, it was the uh, National Black Film Festival, and yeah, that was a great experience for my first film festival. And then um, my most recent project, Fever Street, um, I was a part of an incubator through Caribbean Tales. And then through that, our, my project got screened at the Caribbean Tales Film Festival last year. Um, I've been a part of the TO Webfest um, Festival, one with my first web series. And again, with that, it's just it was great for networking. It was great for just getting my name out there. Um, oftentimes, there's like workshop series you can go to. It's great to like learn from your peers, learn from people who are like, more experienced. So I recommend like even if you ha- don't have a project just buying a ticket to go see a, a film at some of these screenings if they have workshops just go to a couple of them and you know, learn mm-hmm. now do you want to be that actress I know you've been in a couple of other projects do you like being behind the camera more or do you like being in front of the camera more I mean I, I, I think I like to be behind the camera a bit more at this point in my life just because I feel like there is I feel it's more empowering for me to be able to, in a sense, create the narrative and push the narrative. I, and through my company, like being able to create projects that I would want to see growing up. Like you asked me about um, what kind of things I like to write, and so far it's been like a lot of dramedy, sci-fi, like Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of content that I have right now on my slate. Like I, I have a, you know, a, the Fever Street is an Afrofuturist, like fantasy thriller. Right. Um, and then I have another dramedy that I'm developing that's um, through another creative. Right. Um, so, yeah, so far that's pretty much what I'm about. You know what? I could see, would you like to write a story about empowering women of all races? What do you think about that? Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, there. that's usually what my, my projects center on, especially, like, 
black women. Um, like I'm, my background is Jamaican, and you know I was born there. I came here, so a lot of my projects are based on like identity, belonging, like especially centered around black women, black Caribbean women. So I mean, moving forward, I'd love to tell more stories about Caribbeans and Caribbean culture because I feel like we don't really see much of that in the mainstream. And then when we do see it, it's oftentimes like not always authentic. You know, we always hear about people talking about accents and. Mm-hmm. You know, is it authentic? And who's playing, you know, these Jamaican Caribbean characters? Mm-hmm. Are they really Jamaican Caribbean? And there's yeah. a lot of films out there that, especially now that there's like a Bob Marley film coming out, and that's questionable because I know the the main the main <laughs> you know the actor who plays Bob Marley isn't Jamaican, oh. so that's kind of like questionable. But you know, <laughs> well, when the movie comes out, we'll see how authentic the voice and that the dialect and everything that he performs comes out. But maybe yeah. he'll have to be around like a lot of other Jamaican people. Yeah. What do you call it? You know, with to kind of mock that accent. Yeah, I mean, I think he has some Caribbean heritage, but I think in terms of authenticity, that's always something that comes into question when it comes to how Jamaicans and Caribbeans are portrayed on screen. And so that's something I would love to continue to push and and bring more Caribbean, authentic Caribbean stories to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And so far, the, the two digital st- series that I have on my slate are um, centered around like Caribbean and. Mm-hmm. Um, belonging and Caribbean heritage and yeah right 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 well we hope we hope he can pull it off I hope so too the aim is to push for it and and I guess the trick is to also kind of connect some themes within the mainstream to the project so it's people at least uh, understand even if they're not from a Caribbean background Mm -hmm. it's a bit more transferable relatable Mm -hmm. yeah and that's well I could have played him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> my background's Jamaican in uh, yes, St. Lucia. cast you something. <laughs> I could have played him, but they don't need me. And they probably need him younger, right? I mean, it's diverse. We can have older, we can have younger, but, you know, we need stories for all you know demographics. So. Well, Bob Marley died young. How old did Bob Marley die? He died 47? Was he in his 40s? Yeah, 40s, early yeah. 40s or like late 30s yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, toe cancer. Didn't he die of toe cancer? Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I, my, when I was growing up, it was always like he was playing soccer and he, he broke his toe and there were complications. To yeah, that or something, something with like the that. toe. Yeah, something with the toe. <laughs> and I'm not laughing about that, listeners. No. <laughs> I'm just laughing that, what do you call it? It was something that we couldn't figure out because there was right. numerous ways that he had died. So I'm not laughing that he had died no. but of toe cancer because that is serious yeah very serious yeah i just know when i was growing up that was the story but yes yeah so we'll see how that goes so what's the future plans for you because there's so much to you right still i feel like there's something you're not telling our listeners that Uh, we need to know about (laughs) you a business owner right i'm an open book i guess my goal right now is just to to really build my projects to Mm -hmm. build myself as a screenwriter and you know with that um Continue, mostly to continue to work as a writer mm-hmm. and and then build my projects on the side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my future goals. I want to be able to to have my company be like a mm-hmm. like a bigger conglomerate. And yes. And what like is that? Avenues of what is that like? Big bigger bigger con- con- I know. Like I almost <laughs> messed up the word. I was like, am I saying it correctly? Yeah. But just like a you know just an, an umbrella product company where you just have different streams. I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I again reference to Issa Rae who you know was like my idol. Mm-hmm. You know, with her company, she has like her production stream, mm-hmm. and she has her management stream, and then she has her radio stream. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where they you know manage um, music artists and then they often stream that into but that, I mean I don't so much want to do all of that but right now my <laughs> I mean, you know with my company I have like my colorized productions and then I have my right, nonprofit stream yes. which is like color your life which is aimed to like really reach out and bring other creatives in and like kind of teach them the ropes mm-hmm. um, especially like emerging creatives who don't always have the opportunity to take the traditional route to learn about the industry or they don't really fully know how to get in right and even though I'm still you know growing and building it's so far been great to reach out and bring them in and oftentimes people reach out to me and ask me for advice even though I know I'm still like in my in my mid-career stages and they're emerging but mm-hmm. yeah that, that right now my goal is to build those two and then eventually you know maybe other things will come of it as well like maybe i'll have a different streams of management i don't know but for now it's like my production company and then the nonprofit part of it mm-hmm. so what are the challenges let's say i want to copy your footsteps what are the challenges of having my own production company uh, well number one when it's a production, it's like getting the money to to really build out your projects because in order to it's not so much like a you know, a service industry or like a product, that you've, a physical product you can sell. It's really like you have to, first of all, create the product. And then in order to create the product, you have to be able to find the funding. So at least in Canada, the good thing is that there are a lot of grants where we can apply to this grant and that grant, but it's also very competitive. So I think the main challenge is just finding the resources and the funding to create it. But again, like once it starts off with building yourself up, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though it's not a quick process, like creating a proof of concept and creating the previous web series I had, those were great, you know, stepping stones that taught me how to really, you know, run a production and run a team. And then I was able to do a little bit more and have a bigger budget. And then the goal is to keep having bigger budgets until you really, you mm-hmm. know, where you where you want to be and like learning about the how to flow money in and out. Um, mm-hmm. So that you're actually just making money while producing things. Right. And so still a learning curve, but... Right, right, right. Now, cross the border, the writers are on strike and the actors are joining them. What's your take to that? Mm-hmm. Do you think it could happen here eventually or no? Um, I mean, there have been a, there's been a lot of support between, like, the Canadian unions and, you know, to with the American unions to say, like, if we will go on strike, I think it's to be determined. Uh, I am a part of the, the, the WGC, and so far I haven't seen any word on that. Um, in terms of how we've been supporting, I think it's very admirable that because the industry is difficult as a writer, it's the gig economy, um, whether you're on the production crew, like working lights or camera, and whether you're a screenwriter in the room, you know, everything is contractual. And most of us have to, to work, you know, paycheck to paycheck in a sense. And it's not always easy. And so in terms of fighting for the rights of, of creatives, I think it's it's needed and it's necessary for us to really survive in this industry. And entertainment is important. Everyone likes to watch TV and listen to music. And, you know, so, you know, we are important in this industry. And so it's good that we are fighting for the rights and we are supporting each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't end soon, what do you say to that? Because it doesn't look like there's no end in sight until the fall. Yeah, I, I am. I mean, I've been in terms of the the WGA. I've been seeing like you know, the bigger gatekeepers, if you want to call them, stating that they want to wait till people run out of money. So I, I feel like that's number one awful because it's people's lives, people have families, and things you know have to survive. Um, in terms of hard to say like I mean of course you have to say like that's terrible they come to a good decision and and really like stand by the people who are working hard to build your stories whether or not it's gonna it's gonna end anytime soon I hope so if it and 
I feel like it's either one way or another. It's either that they're really going to wait for people to go completely broke and, and have, have no choice but to go back to work, or they're really going to come around and... You know, we only hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And we hope we don't have to wait till the fall. And we, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the fall's the fall is coming up real quick, but <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah, that's still a couple months away, and people have been at it for a while. So, but then but you knew know what's gonna happen. All those TV shows yeah. upcoming. Yeah, and then less jobs and <laughs> it's already difficult. I mean, in the Canadian industry, it's already, you know, quite congested in terms of more more talent than there are jobs. So, you know, and then a lot of that, those productions in the States come to Canada to film. So, you know, once they start cutting, then we start having less work here. So it's like a trickling effect, which is why I understand why we have to still support and fight and beside mm-hmm. them too. If we don't, mm-hmm. they lose and we lose. So. And that's why I asked, do you think Canada could be next with their yeah. actors and writers on strike joining the U.S.? Yeah. <sighs> I I won't put it past because I've heard, some, like there has been talk in the past about it, but now that that's happening across the border, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I wouldn't say that it wouldn't happen mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to happen right now or if it I feel like once it kind of pushes past the fall maybe it, it, it's likely that we would probably get there right yeah. right well fingers crossed mm-hmm. and what's your message what do you want to tell people that support your work that love your work mm-hmm. and that they support you and they want you to write these stories or they want you to push the envelope further in what you're doing well, again, it's something I really, really push is that I like to network across, as you know, Queen Issa Rae says, and that that's really helped me a lot in the projects I've worked on. Um, I've, you know, built a lot of partnerships through people who are also trying to work their way up and giving people opportunities, and you know, also people have given me opportunities through that. I think, you know, a message to other creatives would be to work with your peers. You know, sometimes we want to always reach upwards and you know find someone who's above us to give us an opportunity but it really is like looking to your peers and in terms of those who really support me um i think people recognize that that's what i'm trying like you're working on doing and oftentimes people come to me for advice or they come to me to work on their projects and i think that's a trickling effect because in turn i recommend them for things or they recommend me for things so it's really a community and it's really best to to work as a community, even though we, we all want to get up there and be in Hollywood. But mm-hmm. that's what I would say. All right. Work so together. we all need each other, right? Basically, work together. We can't do it alone, we can we? No. All right. We can't do the lighting, the production, the I've, writing. I've tried it before, and it's it's... It's been hard, so I would say it's good to delegate and bring people together. Okay, <laughs> so nobody's a one-man island. You can be, <laughs> but it's going to be hard, and <laughs> the quality it might be questionable. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all need we we all need each other in this industry, especially in the entertainment industry, exactly. right? Exactly, most definitely. We can't do it alone. I mean, it would be a slow-running production if we all had to do it alone. All right, and <laughs> what do you do say to those people where, yeah, I do want to do it alone, and it's a dog eat dog world and I gotta make it. I mean, most of those people don't really end up making it, to be honest. <laughs> so that's the real truth is that they, you know, oftentimes, like, the, we, we call it, like, crab, what is it, crab in a barrel, crab in a bucket mentality. mentality. Yes. And then people say Toronto has that that a lot. And and I feel like that's when, not to say that they don't make it, but oftentimes they make it, they don't make it as fast as they think they are going to by being like that. And oftentimes they don't last long. When it's like, you know, you get to the top, but you quickly fall. 
well. So, mm-hmm. and to have a long lasting career, you really have to be humble. You have to be able to like build with other people and then know that, yeah, you, other people oftentimes, even it's not just about getting your work out there. Sometimes people have, again, bring you on to their projects. If you're a writer, they might want writers on their projects. And in this industry, again, it's the gig economy. So, I mean, these jobs are not posted on Indeed, are on LinkedIn jobs. It really is who you know. Yeah. And if you feel like you can work, you can only work alone, then you're not networking and you're not building. So then who's going to hire you? <laughs> I think you know why I say that is because people probably have been burned by other people. So then they probably just get in this attitude. Mm-hmm. Every man for themselves. What do you say to that where you have been burned in the industry by other creatives? I mean, that's I feel like in those times, I mean, I, I won't say I have not been burned because I definitely have had those experiences. But I've always, I think it's because I push my own work and I push other people's work and I continue to network and build that it's not one person doesn't like stop what I'm doing. You know, if one person kind of brings me down, there are five other people backing me because they know that I work hard and I help them on their projects. I give them advice and they're grateful for my advice. And so, yeah, that's why you can't really be selfish because the ones that are more selfish, again, they don't last long because if they burn me and I end up making it, and I'm hiring for my productions and I'm not thinking of you so you can't be selfish I'm thinking of the people who have like really seen me when I was grinding and helped yeah. me out when I was you know down and I remember that so. but can't we just forget about it and happen and can't that we never just... does <laughs> in, in your real life would you ever forgive <laughs> forget I don't know you can forgive and forget but it's like also when money is involved and you know your 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 productions are on the line. Am I gonna remember the person that didn't really see me as an asset or didn't really or th- saw me as a threat? Like, no, I'm not gonna. I mean, I would trust them less because who's mm-hmm. to say they wouldn't do it again? Or who's to say if I bring them onto my projects that I I can trust them to work and actually push for it? Or, you know, there's there's mm-hmm. a you have to be a little bit humble and a little selfless when it comes to being That's in this true. industry as well. And sometimes we need our haters. That's what I'm trying to get at. Don't sometimes we need our can, haters? Yeah, but they can stay over there. That's the best way. <laughs> <laughs> we need them to hate yeah. though because if yeah. we don't have a hater that we're, we're not, not we're not popping yeah we're not doing something we gotta reevaluate ourselves That's because if there's true. i'm sure some... i have some silent haters out there but like i said they, they're not within my circles they're over there watching from the outside in so. and they can't come and break bread with you in the project it depends that they can redeem themselves but it depends i would probably be a bit more like mm-hmm. Um, restrictive as to how close they really get. Right, there, right, right. And there's contracts. You know, the good thing about learning about the business side of production and film and TV is that, you know, contracts matter. So mm-hmm. everyone's going to sign something. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> we'll talk about contracts a bit because suppose if I sign a contract and I don't even know what it's about. Mm-hmm. What do you want to say to that? And of course, you can get a con a, a contract lawyer or an entertainment lawyer, but that costs money, girl. What do you say to that? I mean, I, I've written contracts and then not so much, at least in my early stages, and not so much gotten a lawyer to oversee it. And I've signed contracts and not exactly personally gotten a lawyer to oversee it. Right. So you really have to do your research, or if you have someone in your circle, circles that has experience in production, doesn't have to be a lawyer. Like in terms of. Um, like with me, I have an agent, like a, a literary agent. So 
my contracts go through him and you know they they have a lawyer so they maybe they'll pass it on to their lawyers but if you have like sometimes i'll just have a simple contract and i'll send it to him he'll look at it because he understands that that's his world mm-hmm. um, so if you have someone that just at least has the experience to be a business affairs person at this stage when you're in your early stages it's not exactly you know when you're working with smaller budgets it, it's not do or die to to not have a lawyer look at it um but it's good to have someone with experience and either way yeah it's you can you have to really see especially if you're putting your own projects for it or you're optioning a project to somebody else you can have to look at the terms and conditions in terms of how long you're optioning your project to somebody like a producer um how much money they're giving you what are the ins and outs of it um some contracts are short some contracts are more in-depth it's it's very much complex in some areas but it can be quite simple depending on what kind of contracts you're dealing with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of contracts (laughs) right right an offer acceptance meeting of the minds and agreement i believe i don't know law but (laughs) i think that type of contract right yeah there's deal memos there's again option in terms of the film and tv industry there's option agreements there's Mm -hmm. contractual agreements you know partnership agreements uh, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot <laughs> but what if I sign something and then they decide to recast me what's your take to that where let's say Donovan uh, I'll pretend I'm a different Donovan right <laughs> and let's say you decide you know what Donovan you don't work out I'm gonna recast you and what if I signed a contract as an actor well I mean in the contract usually a producer will say that they have the like the flexibility there's always like a termination clause in every contract right whether you're getting a regular job or in, in a job in the film industry whether you're an actor there's always a termination clause um, so you get, again it depends on what they negotiated they, and most times they'll probably negotiate that they have the freedom to like replace, replace you, you. Hmm. yeah and oftentimes that's what it is unless you're a big Hollywood star or like you're Tom Cruise and you're a Mission Impossible hmm. like they're hmm. like, most likely not going to replace him <laughs> Well, unless well. you get into like AI stuff. <laughs> well, they did it to James Bond. Remember Pierce they, yeah, Brosnan? Well, they replaced I, been him. Doing it. They still are replacing it. Yeah. But I guess that comes with, uh, you know, I mean, with with that, it's that every few films they tend to replace them. You know. Okay. So I guess that's di- a different entity because that's been going on since like the fifties, sixties. Yeah, a long yeah. time ago. They can only go so far, and if they want to keep on, keep on keeping on, then I guess they have to no choice but to recast. Or if you're a Harrison <laughs> Ford, for example. Right. But what the movie he dropped, Indiana Jones, another right. segment, and he's still acting he's still in going. it. I think. I mean, I feel like it's a bit different because James Bond. I think they have different James Bonds, right? Right. Like, it's not yes. the same no, person reincarnated. <laughs> I think it's. Yeah, I think usually. It's we like remember a, we had a black James Bond. Remember exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's usually like the title of James Bond, but it's like different personas. Yes. yes. Um, kind of like I guess you know Spider Man or right. Whereas, well, no, I think the the Spider Man with Tom. Mm-hmm. That's a bit different, but you know, now we're into the Spider Verse. Like, there's different versions right. of that Spider-Man. And so, um, in terms of recasting, though, back to your question, yeah, I guess it. Most times, they will have a clause that they can terminate you or recast mm-hmm. you. So it is about just you have a good agent who can really negotiate for you. If you're big up there, you're, you have more negotiating rights. If you're more of like a A-lister, uh, if you're not in the A-listing. Uh, statuses that then you may not have as much rights <laughs> okay. to, to negotiate you mm-hmm. might just have to do a good job and hope they don't give you the boot I guess. but then <laughs> I can take that as a rejection though if I'm recasted if Donovan is recasted not or always. let's say Sydney is recasted isn't that like a rejection 
not always. I guess it depends on what stage. Sometimes people, they recast before you actually go to camera, before people even know you were probably even in the project. Well, that's true. That and, happened in the game, too, for example, right. when, I don't know, years if you remember the game. Yeah, the spinoff of Girlfriends, yeah. Okay. Um, Pooch Hall wasn't the original Derwin. Oh, I didn't And know Kelly Pitts wasn't the original Kelly. What do you call, what's her name from Sweet Valley High? I forget that girl's name, but... Um, um, what do you call? It? She wasn't the original Kelly oh, Pitts. I didn't know what do you that. call? It? it was Jennifer Baxter was the original oh. from Billable Hours. So oh, yeah, okay. I love that show, but I didn't actually know yeah. all that history. But. Yeah, so you know you can take it as a rejection or yeah you can mm -hmm. yeah I think but most times it's like most most of the times when you're auditioning for a project or when people are being cast for a project the creators already have like a vision um, of what they want the, the actor to look like sometimes it takes somebody exceptional to change their mind oh. and I think most times when, when you you know let's say me as an actor go into audition I kind of already have the idea like okay I'm here to do my best and right. most times I don't know what they're looking for exactly if they're not explicit and they're willing to see me but again, that's to say, it's not always a rejection. Sometimes it's just they have a specific vision. It doesn't mean that you're less than or, or you know, rejected mm -hmm. or you're not good enough, per mm -hmm. se. But it just means that they have a specific vision as to how they see the character. And once you start speaking, you either change their mind or you meet the expectations or, okay, you didn't make, meet what they had envisioned. But maybe there's another role that's better for you. And sometimes, you know, actors go for roles and you often hear, like, I auditioned for this role, but I actually got cast for that role. And, and, and mm -hmm. there are a lot of projects like that. Right, right. And it's Brittany Daniels listeners that came to my mind from Sweet Valley <laughs> High. She was, re what do you call it? She actually re was um, Recast, recasted yeah. for oh, Kelly. Okay. Kelly was so actually originally Jennifer Baxter had right. that role. And then they recasted her. Right. So Okay, that's and, new information. Yeah. Because I, I love that show. Yeah. And then Derwin was what do you call Pooch Hall. But yeah. originally it was Aldous, what do you call it? Aldous Hall was the original hmm. Derwin. Okay. So, you know, so that's just information. Okay, a little bit of tea. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, that does happen. Like you said, that does happen. And that's, that. like you said, it doesn't mean it's a rejection. It doesn't mean you're less than. Sometimes they just have a different um, vision of where they want to go with the show or the mm. cast, or maybe they mm. want somebody taller. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes it is a little bit of beef if it's in the, during production. And <laughs> if one moment you see some, one character looking one way, you come back like you know in the in the soap operas often times mm -hmm. you, you know the same character dies and they come back and they're a whole new person oh. if you want watch the young and the restless and days i do of our love lives. that show and, you know <laughs> and those those shows go on for so long and then yeah sometimes like it's like a starting point for some of these actors and then they might move on to another project and mm -hmm. then you know well mostly for the soap operas unless they kill off the characters mm -hmm. then well, sometimes they come back to life but <laughs> yeah could you do that on one of your projects have them come back to life i feel like if they're gone they're just gone <laughs> I, I just yeah in, in my projects i i believe in realism <laughs> i mean not all the time because i like sci-fi but i just mean like if a character is gone i feel like they're just gone or the project's just done all right i wouldn't want to bring unless it's like the early stages like if you know in season one and no one's gonna <laughs> notice by season four because people have done that in season one you, there's one character yeah and then by the by the season five it's like a whole other actor you know people they thought they died and then they were really alive and yeah. oh my god yeah. you're alive yeah. oh <laughs> <laughs> there have been a couple of shows like really 
big shows by the time I I'm thinking of one show but I can't specifically remember the name of it but um, yeah where by the time they got to season five it, they had changed the one actor and, he, yeah. he, and it, you had some time to get adjusted to it and you probably forgot by the time uh-huh. you're invested that the other actor was even that character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well so, it happens it okay happens. Yeah. <laughs> did you want to throw out your social media platforms and your projects again uh, absolutely. Um, so my company, I guess, Colorized Productions is at Colorized Productions, uh, at Color Your Life for the nonprofit. And my personal Instagram is at Kristen Lamy, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-L-A-M-B-I-E. Yeah. All you can right. find all the other projects and information there. All right. Did you have any final quick things you'd like to tell us in closing? Um, just thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful experience being here and uh, talking to you about my career. I've always enjoyed, you know, giving back and, you know, listen, like telling people about the journey. And so, yeah. All right. For CJRU 1280 AM, I'd love to thank you. You can throw out your name again in your position. Uh, it's Kristen Lammy. I'm a screenwriter and creative producer. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode. Thank you again.